there. This is Nicole Cobra Esquire, and welcome to CEOs and Soul Talk. I am an executive coach and business strategist, as well as an attorney. I've been managing businesses for more than 15 years and grown my own firm, Cobra Johnson and Romney, into a multi-million dollar operation. And I want to help you do the same. But in my podcast, we'll be talking to some of the most inspiring individuals who are also CEOs and show you what led to their success today. During each episode, we'll share their stories, but also their advice on how to uncover what it takes to be the CEO of your soul. Hello and welcome, everyone. My name is Nicole Cobra Esquire, and you are welcomed to the inaugural edition of CEOs and Soul Talk. My first week in business, I am so honored and just blessed to be joined by Liz Sarah, dear friend, but also a founder and president of Best Marketing LLC. And she is the new chairperson of the National Women's Business. Business Council. Welcome, Liz. Thank you so much, Nick. I'm delighted to be the first of many, many women that you will feature going forward. So thank you for having me. Thank you so much. So, well, let's just start off. You know, I want to let our audience know exactly what the goal of Soul Talks is, CEO and Soul Talks. You know, I have a absolute passion for small businesses and women in particular. And so I really wanted you to come in and kick us off because you're just such an extraordinary uh, role model. We do serve on the council. You are our amazing leader of our new National Women's Business Council. Um, and I wanted to just kind of get your story, number one, because I think, you know, in my travels, you can learn so much from hearing people's stories, especially entrepreneurs. We are the rock stars of America, in my humble opinion. We really do follow our instinct. We uh, express our leadership skills, and we really press forward through the ups and downs of business. And so just kick us off and tell us a little bit about what you do and and your journey to to, um, your current position. Well, thank you so much for those kind remarks. I hope I can live up to all of those glorious things <laughs> and that you more, just said and about more. me. And more. I've been in business uh, in my current role uh, with my marketing strategy firm since uh, 2001. And since that time, I have worked with small, early stage tech companies and helping them launch their products, expand into new markets, change their pricing, fix their positioning, and in other words, simply grow and increase their revenue and their market adoption. I've probably had close to 100 tech clients uh, over these 18 years. And this role was never anything that I planned to do. I just sort of happened into it, which if I look back on my career, most of the things that I've done have been very serendipitous. There have never been things that I've set out to uh, do specifically as a career step. An opportunity presented itself, I took it, and then lo and behold, the next thing happened along. So how this came about is uh, we had just sold uh, the software company that I had co-founded in the early 90s. Well, let me stop you. Let me start you there. So uh, 
you know, we don't want to skip over that ginormous um, intro. Like, take me back to the beginning stages of your career. What did you look like in your college years? Like, what was what was your major? What were things that you that you started to no- notice you were had strong skill sets in, grabbed your passion? So back in college and throughout college, uh, I was a broadcast journalist major. Mm-hmm. Me too. And I worked in broadcast journalism. Okay. I worked on radio. I worked on cable television as an on-air reporter. And this was back in the day where women were just getting started in that profession. So uh, I was one of the early women in the courses that I took at school and one of very few women in the radio stations and cable stations that I worked in. And I thought that's what I wanted to do for my entire career. But before I graduated uh, with my undergraduate degree, I decided that while I liked the aspects of it, which were the communications aspects of it, both you know in print and in verbal, I did not want to spend my career doing that. It, it really didn't provide, I think, the interest and uh, a real good use of, of my talent. So I thought that how do I leverage those things into a complementary or a related area and what that ended up looking like was marketing and public relations. So I came down to the University of Maryland and got a master's in public relations from the journalism school. And then very quickly, uh, once I graduated, my first job was actually in marketing and corporate communications and PR. And from that point, I was able to grow in my uh, background, my career, and stay in that field. Um, one of the few things that I made a concerted effort to do career-wise was to get into the technology space. And in the early 80s, a book came out called Megatrends. And one of the 10 trends that was outlined in this book was the role that technology was going to play not only in business, but on society and in our own day-to-day lives. And I thought, well, this is a career path in industry that I'd like to work in. So my second job uh, was really in a tech-oriented uh, trade association slash lobby group. And from there, I was in tech for the rest of my career. So it's been about 30 years of working in the tech field and uh, working in roles that were very entrepreneurial at the time. We didn't know that word. We didn't seek out entrepreneurial paths. It, it, it just wasn't part of the lexicon. Uh, I worked in big companies, but in roles that were uh, very uh, unique. Uh, the, one of the first big companies was, at the time, uh, LexisNexis that went by a different I name. know that very well from yes, law school. A, that was attorney. my first job in, yes. in the legal career. <laughs> legal so there field. were a very small group of us that were tasked with starting a new division of that company in the D.C. area. And uh, I was heading up the, the marketing of what this would be and what we would call it and what this database would contain and who we'd sell it to and what would we price it as. And 
we very successfully built it and launched it and uh, got that product into the marketplace. And then following that, uh, I was I was uh, tasked with uh, and offered a position with a global news agency called United Press International at the time. And it had been bought by a private equity firm that wanted to make it profitable for the first time ever. And for those in your audience that are familiar with the news wires, there's the AP, which is still very vibrant. And... Not so much UPI anymore, but it was this sort of the the second in in command. And the private equity firm felt that for us to be successful and competitive, we'd have to look at a new market. So I was tapped at looking at the corporate market and hired to create a whole series of real-time news products that corporate business executives would want. We were the very first ones to do that. Uh, there was no real-time news delivered to an executive's desk at that point, so we pioneered that. Um, we did that fairly successfully, but uh, UPI had greater issues from a financial standpoint, and they did not make it. Um, and so when that company filed Chapter 7 is when I really went out on my own and uh, started what today is my best marketing consulting firm. But it went on pause when uh, I took a role with two other co-founders to start the first of my software companies in the early 90s. Well, I, I, I thank you for just being you, first of all. But, but looking, I, I think people, especially millennials, especially those coming after us, they look at us with our beautiful pearls and, and, you know, on stages and things like that. And they don't know what those steps look like. And they don't know what those skills they, that you have to have to absolutely be a leader. And what I heard you say was that you were forecasting, right? So you you took an interest that you naturally had in marketing and journalism and communications, but then you wanted to look beyond. You you saw the limitations with that, but then you want to look beyond and you said, where where can I take both my passion, but also where is there a need? If it's not existing now, where will there be a need in the future, right? So a bit of forecasting and blending that with your natural skill sets led you to the various positions and led you to your first stint in entrepreneurship, correct? I think that's well said. And I feel that I'm very lucky in that I have had a career that very closely matches my own personal interests and my Mm -hmm. personality. And I think for women that are in college or just recently graduated and considering what their first job should be and looking at places to uh, interview, I think having a good understanding of what makes you tick is really important. Um, and, and knowing how you com- combine your, your personal strengths with your career strengths and what you've learned academically and what really makes you passionate, all of that together will really determine how successful you're going to be. Because at the end of the day, we spend a good part of our waking hours working. And I know that for me today, and probably since the very beginning of my career, 
work has always been something that I've looked forward to and something that really gels with who I am and my own personality. And so it's something I am excited about and continue to be passionate about. I know so many people, as we all do, that dread the Monday through Friday and cannot wait for the weekend. Well, I work all the time and I love what I do. So it it is never anything that I'm uh, begrudging uh, digging into. And I feel like I've been very fortunate in that, that I've been able to figure that out early on and stick with it. That's perfect. You know, I often, when I do speaking, I talk about the analogies of these skill sets that we have as CEOs and applying them to our own life and decision making. So I kind of have three areas. One is the your internal CEO, that's your decision making. And what you said is very true, making decisions that are in alignment with your strengths, within that that feel good. So if you're going to be doing things for long stretches of time where they're consistent with things that bring you joy and fulfillment, it doesn't feel as much like work, right? And your decision making and your purpose and what your goal casting will be, you're going to have greater success. That's my theory. Now, the second piece is the COO, correct? Your operations. And I analogize that to the hard work. It's fine to set vision and say, hey, this is what my hopes and dreams are. But that action being very, very disciplined is key. I want to ask you to that point, what about your personality? And when you think back over your accomplishments, what were some of those definitive steps that you said that I'm going to take this this part of myself and I'm going to execute? I need, you know, I want this particular position or I want this company or I want to mold this into a thing. What were some of the biggest growth and action steps that you took in order to accomplish that goal? Um, I would say that uh, being able to make decisions and make decisions quickly is very, very important. I see so many uh, executives that I work with as clients as well as uh, throughout the whole business uh, ecosystem here in the uh, D.C. area analyze and analyze and PowerPoint each other to death. They call it the paralysis of analysis, correct? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And if you are a small business owner or you are an entrepreneur starting a new business, you don't have the luxury of time because time can be your enemy. And there are very few decisions that cannot be undone. So making That's a decision. Key. Thank you for saying that. I was, and not to cut you off, but I was talking right before we came in. A friend has a daughter that's applying to law school and she got into one, but is waiting on the other. And just all that intensity that, you know, am I making the right decision? What you said is so powerful. There's not one decision that cannot be undone. You always have that power, that control to take corrective or a different course. Have you found that to be your experience? Absolutely. Uh, when we when we see in action, it's usually a result of an executive being afraid of taking the step. And so what are they afraid of? They're afraid of making a mistake. They're afraid of doing the wrong thing. But as a self-starter, you have to learn that every step 
needs to happen. And if you're not the one that's going to take it, the people that you are leading aren't going to take it. So in order to move any kind of an enterprise forward, whether it's a business, whether it's a charity, whether it's a government organization, whether it's a board, you've got to be able to make decisions and carry out those decisions. And it's amazing to see how many people are afraid to do that. So fearlessness. Do you think that that's some skill that you innately have or did it come from where, where did your sense of being able to fail and recover or make decisions and pivot? Was that something that maybe that did you have in your upbringing or was that just something that was that you were born with? I think it's some of both, Nicole. I think there was a tremendous amount of confidence that my parents instilled in me growing up, that I can do anything, that I can be anything, that I can accomplish anything. And having that amount of confidence uh, really made a big difference uh, on me, uh, not just throughout my academic uh, career, but in business. And I think being able to get over the failures early in my career. And I think everyone should fail early because early is when you've got the time to recoup. Uh, You don't have families, you don't have mortgages, you don't have big commitments where failures can be more devastating than when uh, you're early in your career, in your 20s, and there are not a lot of other uh, people or organizations that will face the the downward trickle of that failure. So being able to overcome what might be considered a failure and showing yourself how, oh, it didn't turn out to be as bad as I thought it was going to be. To that point, what, what was it? Name a failure that ultimately turned out to be a success for you. Well, I think if I look at each component of my life, there's been many failures. Um, on my personal, uh, in my personal world, it's uh, marriages that didn't work and led to a divorce, only to be uh, surpl- surplanted by meeting the next person who became the love of my life. And if you didn't end the first one, you never would have had the chance to find that second one. So that's the personal side. Um, on the on the business side, it's uh, probably the big failure was in my uh, second software company, which was really a pivot from the very first one. Uh, myself and my co-founders were not able to do our IPO. Uh, the year was nineteen ninety. Uh, I'm sorry, two thousand. Uh, And we were on the path to do an IPO with our e-commerce software company. And unfortunately for us, the timing wasn't in our favor because it was when the dot-com bubble burst. So while many of my competitors had already gone public and had a pretty big war chest to fund their continued growth and sales and marketing, we still needed funding. So without that war chest in the bank and with the stock market the way it was you know, dreadfully falling every day and every week, we ended up having to sell the company. And that was a terrible blow because we thought we were well positioned. We had great revenue. We had great marquee clients from the Fortune 500, but the timing didn't work in our favor. So sometimes you can do all the right things, but they don't always yield the results that you wanted 
because of circumstances beyond your control. So had that not happened, I would not have uh, been tapped to help a couple of small companies after we closed those doors uh, in a sale that was terrible. It was just a fire sale at the end. Um, And uh, it would not have led to what I've been doing for the last 18 years. So if, if we look at Going back, we can see trends while we're in the midst of doing them. We can't see where the dots got connected. Uh, I think that it was for the best for me from a personal and, and business growth standpoint. So, you know, looking at the backward trajectory in the rear view mirror, we can see where things led us in different places. And, uh, you know, we all have the opportunity along the way to choose to do something or make a decision not to do it. And it is those decisions that uh, we have to determine if they're not the best ones, make a new decision. Make a new decision. Um, additional question for you. We're talking about the CEO as your decision-making, COO, execution, and your team, right? We know that your team has to follow the manual that you set up. What are your values? They have to come into agreement with that. They need to treat you. And I also always say being the CEO of your soul means that you have that decision-making power, but you also can bring people to your team, bring people to your business, bring people to your life that reflect your values. Who is Liz? Who is on Liz's team and what have they brought to you? What are some key relationships in your life? I think the key thing between a founder and their team is a a shared passion for what everyone is doing. Um, I'm very excited about my role as chair of the National Women's Business Council because I have made it a point over the last uh, five, six, seven years to help women business founders in the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area because women leaders and founders face very different challenges than their male counterparts. When I was starting my first software company in the early 90s in technology, there were very few women in technology, and there were even fewer women starting companies with a technology platform as the basis of that organization. I didn't have mentors to go to. I didn't have a support system that I could use as a sounding board to help me with what should we do? Should we go left? Should we go right? Should we do this? Should we do that? And so having... um Having those support systems in place today, I think it's an ideal time for women to start businesses, to think about if you're not happy with what you're doing in your full-time job and you always had an interest to do something on the side, take the plunge because there are incubators available. There are accelerators available. There are university programs. There are um, organizations uh, that can support what you're doing either from a shared workspace or access to mentors. And now is really uh, ideal for the plethora of uh, support organizations that women can tap to help them. So as chair of the National Women's Business Council, we are looking at 
What are the areas that women are facing the most challenges as they're trying to get their companies off the ground or they're trying to accelerate those companies? And so my excitement and passion, I feel, is very much shared by the other women that have newly joined this board. And I think we've got a group of women entrepreneurs and women leaders of women-based organizations that are are interested to get on board and let's try to make something happen. And I'm looking forward to us having small successes. We don't need to boil the ocean. We just need to make a couple of small things happen that will have big impact. So passion and excitement is important. And if I can convey my passion, I think that that will uh, spark the passion that uh, my fellow board members have in accomplishing things together. Well, I personally can attest to your passion is contagious. Uh, You have lit a flame in us and we really, really are working all off of the same hymn book in that we really want to get it done for women. Small, uh, small steps, big impact and being advocates for women. One last thing, um, I, I would be remiss If I did not ask, you are such a strong, kind, intelligent person. What do you do to nourish yourself? What type of, not necessarily, do you have a faith practice? Do you have a meditation practice? What are the things that keep you balanced in your personal life when things do get challenging? Um, How is it? Is it going out with girlfriends? Is it something? What keeps such a positive spirit from being undrained? Because I think a lot of women try to find that balance and get depleted. What do you do to replenish your soul, your spirit? So I think it's so important for all of us, uh, men and women alike, to have a a broad range of interests. Um, I spend my day and my weeks working with technology companies. So One of the passions that I have, which provides great joy for me, is in the performing arts. So one of the side things that I do is running an opera company. Are you kidding? I cannot sing a word of music. I have I absolutely no talent, oh. but I love the opera form. And we have a professional opera company that's been around for over 35 years. That's and I've been running it for maybe the last five mm-hmm. of those. And staging productions in a way that's very different from other opera companies, because most people hear opera and say, oh, my goodness, I don't like it. I hate it. I don't want to go anything near it. So we're trying to make opera personal and up close. And we do small performances at ambassadorial residences with professional orchestras and professional singers and uh, an actress who narrates. And we make it accessible to people. So I get great joy in being part of a musical performing art form, that has nothing to do with technology. But it feeds your soul. It It does. It feeds your soul. It absolutely does. And I'm a big lover of art in general. So uh, I have uh, been delighted to serve on various committees of museums uh, around D.C. Mm -hmm. And um, that also fills uh, an aspect of my life uh, that requires, you know, beauty and honoring people with such great talent 
which is so important to society. So it's not all always just about technology, but it's about performances and, and art and architecture. That's wonderful. Well, I honestly could talk to you forever, but I think that that is a wonderful way to end our inaugural. But uh, you have to promise me that you will come back and you will cheer us on. You are definitely the right pick to start us off on just such an amazing journey. I consider this a journey. This is my passion by trying to communicate to women on and men on all different levels of of what governs our life, what makes us happy, whether it's business, whether it's opera, whether it is running, whether it's, you know, anything that feeds our spirit and and that we follow and start trusting that sooner. I love you saying making decisions quicker, failing early, recovering, learning the process, following your passion and getting people to follow that with you. So I thank you, my friend. Um, I thank you all. Let me just ask um, you to tell how our audience can stay in contact with you and the National Women's Business Council, if you will. I'd be delighted to. And and thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed our conversation and hope it's the first of many. Uh, for those of you interested in following the National Women's Business Council, you can uh, sign up for our email list and visit us on the web at nwbc.sba.gov. For those who are interested in following me, you can uh, follow me on Twitter, which is at Liz Sarah PR. And I look forward to making new contacts and new friendships as a result. Thank you. I hope you all have a wonderful day. Please know that you all can make decisions over and over again. Follow your spirit, follow your soul, because you indeed are the CEO of your own life. Take care.